0: Am I rightster or am I wrong? It is official. The city of Atlanta is now the most tortured sports city. I would take Justin Herbert over all the quarterbacks in the 2018 NFL draft class plus Jimmy Garoppolo. Antonio Brown will be on an NFL roster within the next three weeks. And in baseball, all of the young hotshot players like Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis, Cody Bellinger, Jose Acuna, and Tim Anderson are more valuable to baseball than Mike Trout. And at this point, college football rankings are more worthless than preseason polls. Am I right or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Fire. Facts only here. Make sure you check your feelings at the door. Absolutely no BS because we keep it 100. Uh, Please make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend, send them an email, text, however you communicate that sort of valuable information to people. And you can shoot me an email, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com and make sure that you subscribe. And also, you can listen to me on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, wherever podcasts are found, and Fox Sports radios, uh, Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's 5 to 8 Eastern time and weekdays filling in. Today, we have a special episode. We are joined by my partner on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, my man, Ralph Amsden. And he is going to tell me today, am I Reister or am I wrong? Ralph, I usually think I'm Reister. And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of those
1: people who I I can, if you present a good enough argument, I can see it from your perspective, no matter what you, you have a couple of takes that are unforgivable. But for <laughs> the most part, you're a persuasive human being, and I'm an open minded
0: person. So for the most part, Reister, I'd say. Okay, all right, so here's my first one of the day. The city of Atlanta is now the most tortured sports city in America. It used to be Cleveland because, so they just lost, the Atlanta Braves just lost to the Los Angeles Dodgers in Game 7, and the Atlanta Falcons are just blowing leads. They finally won a game. They've been putrid, just disappointment. And I looked at the energy of the people who are the fans of the city like they expect disappointment and like they, their energy is just so dejected and they expect a letdown like they don't expect anything else but a letdown at this point, like so much so that they don't even get upset like they're not calling for anybody to get fired. And if the Dodgers had lost, everybody would have been like, Dave Roberts got to go. There has to be a change. Stop listening to the damn computer. All of this. The Falcons have blown leads, everything. So is Atlanta the most tortured city in America?
1: This is a tough one for me, George, because I live in Phoenix. And so every single time somebody wants to claim the throne of sports fandom self-pity, I have to run it through the filter of losing the coin toss for Lou Alcindor, of uh, Antrell Roll stepping out onto the field and blocking Larry Fitzgerald from being able to make a tackle on James Harrison right before halftime, of Ben Roethlisberger uh, executing a perfect throw to, to knock the Cardinals out of the Super Bowl, of Larry Fitzgerald having 13 different quarterbacks who never even should have been in the NFL start full seasons to throw him passes, you know, the John Paxson shot, all of it. And I have to say that, like, as a tortured Arizona sports fan, I can still look at the city of Atlanta and feel pity because I think I'm like you in that I do not believe it is better to have loved and lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Like, is it? Is it like it's not better to be the Atlanta Falcons, be up twenty-eight-three, lose in in the in the second half, and lose to the Patriots? Like, it's not worse to have the Cowboys' debacle. That it is not worse than anything the Falcons have done. To have so many first-round picks on an offense don't even make the playoffs. Multiple head coaches being fired. It's not better to have to lose a three to one lead and you're like, we're still so young. Um, they had the Dodgers beat. They had our fan base was dejected. We were calling for Dave Roberts. head. I mean, and they had been bad for almost two decades. And then you add in Georgia, the University of Georgia, dude, every single year the University of Georgia thinks that it's their year. They're like, oh, this is the year we're going to beat Alabama. This is our year, only to find out that they are the little brother. And I know that Athens is, what, like 50 miles away, 50, 70 miles away from Atlanta, but still, it you're that's where their fan base is. They're not Georgia Tech fans. They're Georgia Bulldog fans, and they are the little brother still. Lose 20, after being 20, up 20 to 7, in the third quarter toward the end of the third quarter against Alabama in the national championship, every time they think they're there, they're not. And I think that that's worse than being a Phoenix fan and not being there at all. And I,
1: I, I will give you this. Cause I grew up, you know, watching Braves games with my, with my grandparents, you know, the, the Jeff Blouser, Chipper Jones, crime dog, Chipper Jones. Uh, even Terry Pendleton, like all the way back in the day, uh, Mark Wohlers, like, that Braves team was fantastic. And what do they have to show for winning the division 15-plus straight times? They have the one title. And so, you know, I think about that from the perspective of being a Diamondbacks fan, like, okay, so we're even – we both got the we both got the one title and probably wasted a lot more talent because the Diamondbacks had Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson on the staff at the exact same time, only got one championship out of it. So then I looked to basketball. And obviously Michael Jordan kept Dominique Wilkins from ever really accomplishing anything of note in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, Michael Jordan kinda did that to the the Phoenix Suns as well in ninety two, ninety three. So I look at that as even. Then we look at the fact that Luka's just out there taking the NBA over. Uh, both the Suns and the Hawks passed on the ability to have Luka on their team. Um, so, so that you know that's pretty rough. Uh, you look at the football teams, and the Falcons have been good and they've made it far. But I think about the fact that the Arizona Cardinals, in the year that they made the, their Super Bowl run, who did they knock out of the playoffs? That was a much better team than them, Atlanta, and yep. so. And so I'm like, okay, so I could I could see us being kind of even there. So then really, what does it come down to? And for me, it's the pain. Because several, several seasons I'll go in knowing that the Cardinals or the Suns or the Diamondbacks are going to be completely out of contention. Um, it seems like there's always that hope there uh, in Atlanta that just gets stomped out. And I'm not sure, being a tortured sports fan myself – I'm not sure I could handle getting
0: close. (laughs) (laughs) And then just having your heart broken every, dude, there is nothing worse than heartbreak, dude. I mean, whether it's a relationship and it doesn't work out well, and you thought that this was the one, that's what the Falcons are. Every year they're like, this is the one. This is the one I'm going to marry. This is the one that's going to turned out to be my hopes and dreams and then it turns turns out that they got a, a, another family in a different state turns out that they you know that that they actually don't have money that they been uh, that they're a grifter they end up on dateline that's who they date i've been i've been in atlanta recently just listening to people on the street
1: still being mad about taking marvin williams over chris paul who played just a couple hundred miles down the road at Wake Forest. So, like, you know, they've got a lot to complain about out there, that's for sure.
0: Yep, but they are the most tortured sports franchise city. All right, Ralph, am I right or am I wrong? I would take Justin Herbert, quarterback, rookie quarterback for the San Diego Chargers over all of the quarterbacks that were drafted in the 2018 and the 2019 draft, plus. Jimmy Garoppolo that includes Baker Mayfield, who he's way better than that includes Josh Allen who's playing well now uh, in his third year, Sam darnold, Josh Rosen, uh D- Haskins in Washington, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson, yes, even Lamar Jackson, who is honestly who's been an MVP so you're so you're telling me probably. George, you're absolutely crazy. You're nuts, but I'm not. Lamar Jackson, dynamic with his legs, an asset to his team. But when he gets in must-pass situations, he cannot do it yet at this point in time. And the league, if you want to win in the Super – if you want to win in the playoffs, win a Super Bowl, you have to be able to stand back there and throw the ball at some point in time. Yes, your escapability matters – which is what Justin Herbert has as well but then you need to be eyes up looking downfield making plays. Josh Allen. Hmm, Josh Allen in his third year still making bonehead plays. Yes, he's playing much much better, but it is a lot easier for a guy to play when he has a defense that is that good. And if if you put if you switch Josh Allen and Justin Herbert now, the, the, the Bills would be Super Bowl favorites probably at this point. And Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Kyle Shanahan doesn't even trust Jimmy Garoppolo. He's dink and dunk, two-buck chuck. Don't look, pretend like you're going to throw it downfield and don't. Whenever he gets in must-pass situations, he cannot handle it. If that run game is not going, he's not your guy. Nobody believes in Jimmy Garoppolo. His head coach doesn't even believe in him. And uh, Sam Darnold, easy one. Um, We don't need to discuss why. He's regressing. Uh, Josh Rosen is on a practice squad in Tampa Bay. Uh, Daniel Jones, we don't need to talk about that. Dwayne Haskins has been benched. Now, the only other two that could even be even – that people might even argue about are Baker Mayfield fanboys who will say, oh, he's winning his team's four and two. No, the dude is completing 60% of his passes, and over the last two years, 32 touchdowns, 27 interceptions, and he's, they are winning in spite of him. They are limited not because of him. They're limiting his throws. And then there is, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, Ralph. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: You play spoons, George. You play spoons.
0: I, I know what random spoons is. I'm
1: just – because spoons is that game where you're you're worried about getting, I think, like four of a kind in, in your hand, and then there's a spoon set on the table, and once you get four of a kind in your hand, you reach out, you grab a spoon, and then that opens it up for everybody else. Everybody has to grab a spoon, and you have one less spoon than you do people. Whoever doesn't get one, it's like musical chairs. You're out. Okay. Right? There's some people that don't focus on their hand. They focus on the spoons. They just bide their time. They wait till somebody else gets the hand, and they wait for that person to grab – uh, a spoons and they go in the gate there's they're fine being second place over and over and over again just being reactionary just yeah. being reactionary i say that because you have four games of data in which the chargers are zero and four but herbert looks good he's completing about 69 percent of his passes that's nice and uh he's got nine touchdowns it's obvious that the tools are there. It's obvious that the arm is there. The size is there. The composure is there. Plus, he has the pedigree of somebody who I'm assuming you've never missed a game of his.
0: No, I've seen every single snap that he's played.
1: Okay. Um, so, so I will say this, that being aware that there may be um, a little bit of a bias there that is also counteracted by expertise, knowing exactly what it is that, that you're looking at. Um, I would also counter that maybe, maybe it's possible um, that you're reacting in this way because you know more about him, and you don't maybe know enough about some of the other quarterbacks that 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 you would put him up against. Now, you and I have tons of disagreements about Josh Allen. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about where I stand <laughs> in in those agreements. At this point in time, I would say that if you were to compare the two of them head-to-head, they both got the size. they both got the arm. Yep. What it really comes down to is the talent they're surrounded by and the decision-making. I would argue that the Bills roster is not that good. I would argue that the Chargers roster is about on the level offensively that the Bills roster is on, at least offensively. Okay. I will give you this. Justin Herbert is not going to try to do too much because he has always been surrounded by talent and he knows that talent is destiny. You let Keenan Allen go to work. You don't need to take it all on your shoulders when it's third and 18, you don't need to dive from 11 yards back. <laughs> <laughs> and then while in midair, pitch the ball under your legs to somebody who's <laughs> back at the line of scrimmage, but doesn't have anybody 18 yards in front of him. You don't need to do that. Can you? Apparently you can. Josh Allen is... <laughs> that's a viable option but do you need to know so i'm willing to entertain the argument that like the safe bet would be justin herbert because they they, alan might be a teeny bit more athletic but you can't sleep on herbert's ability to move around um in the pocket so i'll give you that uh you know baker mayfield he's he's okay a lot of these guys are okay. You know, I like Haskins. I like Daniel Jones. I like some, I I even like Josh Rosen. I like Josh Rosen, but like none of them really has shown that they have it. Um, And Justin Herbert looks like he's, he's there right now.
0: I think maybe the answer is what happened to Herbert, which is to not start, the season maybe it's what's happening to Tua who I've heard he's looking really good in practice like maybe that that's the actual answer instead of saying oh we have to have this guy come in and play right away and the other thing is with these last two draft classes that have just been all right you know what I mean where you have like seven or eight in the last seven or eight first round draft picks in the sorry eight or nine first-round draft picks in the last two drafts, you are only you really only got Lamar Jackson and – well, you we got Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen out of it who are cemented in as their starters uh, for the foreseeable future. Maybe that actually lends itself to last year, the 2020 draft class, being one of the best draft classes of all time where you could have – Joe Burrow's clearly showing that he's got the stuff. Herbert's showing he's fantastic. And Tua, if he turns out to pan out, bro, like you're looking at like a fantastic. And it, they're all in the AFC as well, which, we, which is just, I mean, are we setting up for, I mean, one of them is going to have to be Peyton Manning and the other one is going to have to be Phillip Rivers. And then the the other one's going to have to be Tom Brady. So one's going to be on top. The other one's going to be dominating. And then whoever's last is going to end up as a fringe Hall of Famer. And people are going to be dissing them
1: semi. What I like is that they're all different. But if you were to build a quarterback, you'd want to build them like Justin Herbert. You bring up Lamar Jackson. All he does is win. All he does is make smart decisions. What does he have in common with Justin Herbert, though? They've been the man for a really long time. This yeah. is Justin Herbert's fifth year as a starting quarterback at a major level. Yeah. He might he might have had a game and a half where he was sitting out waiting to get in, but the truth of the matter is like he this is the way he got in his freshman year, he never surrendered the job. It might just be more of the same. Lamar Jackson was, you know, was the guy in college football as a sophomore. Yeah. Right? Like and so you're not going to rattle either one of these guys. They, their games might not be completely similar. And I love, that, I love that when it comes to Lamar Jackson, he does what it takes to win, to get the job yeah. done. At the end of the day, you still have to be able to throw the ball. And so that leaves us with a guy like Kyler Murray, who does not have any of the things that you would want. In- <laughs> <laughs> He's five foot nine. His release point is uh, that of a four foot one person. He throws the ball like he's, he's throwing a baseball. Um, he is uh, – in order for him to be effective, he has to run, just like Lamar Jackson. He has to create opportunities for himself by getting out there and, and getting on the run. Now, what have we seen from him so far? Electricity. Just Electricity but I don't want people to get too excited about what Kyler Murray's doing because if you look at him 21 games into his career and we're recording this before they play, when he goes back home to play in front of the Texas fans that he never lost in front of in high school, this kid was undefeated in high school, right? Yeah. He's Always, always met the challenge on the big stage. Um, but, and every stage is big for him because he's small. He's my, my size, <laughs> uh, but he, you know, this, we're recording this before he goes out to, to play in that game, but if you just look at his career through 21 starts, it's not that different than Mitch Trubisky at all. He has oh. two less touchdown passes, two less wins, uh, I think more turnovers, more turnovers than Mitch Trubisky had at this point, 21 games in. The difference is he could scoot. I mean, he can
0: go. And he's got See, about five a, or six more rushing that's touchdowns. A perception. See, per, perception can do it. And his team actually looks to be trending in the right direction. And I think that that helps it as well. Well, next thing up, I said Antonio Brown will be on an NFL roster within the next three weeks. The man has served his time. He uh, got suspended for eight games, whether he was on a roster or not. So nobody, so even if he were signed, he still couldn't play. And now in two weeks, he'll be eligible to practice and to play. He should be able to play. People are going to be a little bit upset about it. But I, I keep looking at this. I'm like, at what point in time do we just – allow people to return back to society? Like at what point in time can you return back to work? Because if you do the time for your, whatever your punishment was, regardless of whether people think it was fair, unjust, whatever it is, you've, you've paid your penance. Now you should be able to do it. Just like somebody who goes to prison. If you go to prison and you come out, You should, And you have served your sentence, you're off parole, all of this stuff. You should be allowed to vote because you have served your punishment. You should be allowed to get a job without people discriminating against you. You should be allowed to be gainfully employed because at the point in time where we force people to stop being gainfully employed, what do they do? They go back to where they were. If they were a criminal, they go back to crime. They like the fact that we in America are supposed to be a second chance type of country. God is a second chance kind of God. No no matter what your religion is, sec, second chances are like a fundamental part of pretty much every single religion. So the 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 fact that we don't believe that people can be rehabbed and we want to boycott them forever is stupid. Once you have served your 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 penalty, you should be allowed to play. And we can't just keep punishing people forever. but Otherwise, they, like there's no stop sign. And he will be on an NFL roster within three weeks. And I will have him on my fantasy team. And I have no problem with it. Am I Reister or am I wrong? You're Reister if, if
1: that speech that you just gave is directed to Antonio Brown and not to society as a whole. Because the only person that keeps refusing to give Antonio Brown another chance has been Antonio Brown. <laughs> Almost every single time. So, yeah, I'm a big believer in second, third, fourth, fifth chances, in grace in redemption, all of those things are absolutely necessary for any of us to be able to function in society on any level, for us to be able to make it day to day in our marriages, for our kids to be able to have a relationship with us, because all my kids do is run around doing stuff that they they shouldn't do. And they know that's going to make me mad. Like the, the act and practice of, of grace and the allowing for redemption is what makes the world go round. But what if the lack of forgiveness, lack of redemption is coming from inside the house? Antonio Brown's biggest issue is probably social media and the noise that it brings in and and that type of stuff affects everybody a little bit differently and I see he's still on Twitter he's still doing his best to filter out some of the noise you go to his likes he's only favoriting the positive stuff so like you can almost tell the current mood that he's in and the path that he's going down based on his social media activity But what he needs to do is he needs to stop rejecting the people that want to give him another chance and understand that it's going to come with its own level of adversity and expectation and pressure. The Raiders wanted him. The Steelers wanted him right? He should still be in one of those two places. He could still be in one of those two places. It's up to him. So I would take that speech that you just gave and I wouldn't direct it to the world at large. Cause we've shown that we're, we love a comeback story. We do. But if the person doesn't want to come back and by want to, I mean with heart, soul, body, mind, all invested, then it's just not going to happen that way.
0: Uh, I, I'll agree with that. That, that, there does sometimes that people that don't get grace, there seems to be a level of entitlement of the grace. That 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 they live kind of expecting, all right, well, that the game owes me something, that, that the world owes me something, that this industry owes me something because I provide so much to it. But I, I remember when I was at the Rookie Symposium, I've never for, forgotten this, and it's crazy because that was almost twenty years, well like eighteen years not like seventeen years ago, and it was like just one speech and granted, these things need to be reinforced over and over again, but this is one thing that stayed with me uh they They talked about the NFL and but it's applicable to anything in life that it's like a big barrel of water, so your job, your industry, wherever you are, is like a big barrel of water it's filled up to the to the brim. The uh, and then you stick your arm in. However good you are determines how much you stick in the barrel. It is just like and then when once you stick your arm all the way in, your arm's all the way wet. Like if you're a great a great player, your arm you get it all the way up in there, shoulder deep, and you matter to the water. I mean matter to the barrel because you are displacing water. Like you're taking up room for the the, the rest of the water. Some of it spills out of the barrel. All of that. But the second you take your arm out of the water, the hole closes up like you were never there. And if you don't realize that, if Antonio Brown doesn't realize that, as quick as he's back in the league, he'll be back out of the league.
1: I uh, agree. I agree. And, the, and, and, you know, I think the best thing for him, it would be to find a way to make sure – I mean, because you've seen this guy practice. You've seen this guy train. yeah. I mean, I I don't know of anybody who works harder, but that it's just like T.O. I didn't know of anybody who worked harder back then. But at the same time, if you're not actively practicing gratitude and you you have to practice, right? If you're not actively practicing the things that you're grateful for, you do stuff like have yourself filmed. Dancing and saying that you're free, you're free after you got released from your multi million dollar contract, right? But everybody was ready to love and worship you because you were playing for the one team in the NFL that welcomes bad boys and malcontents as part of their brand. Yep. So if you're dancing and singing, I'm free,
0: I'm free, when you leave the Raiders, but nobody believed it, like everybody who saw it knew hold up, there's no way that you can be happy about this. Like, there's no way because you're not going to get that type of money anywhere else because of the way you exited it. And that's, that's the issue is the inability to look on the other side and say, oh, wait, hold up. So there, there's a fire going on on this side. Let me fix it. Uh, the next thing up, I'm a baseball fan. Um, the Dodgers, super excited about them going to the World Series. I thought the optimal thing that could have happened was the Dodgers beating the Astros in the World Series. But so what? The Cheaters lost. But here is what I figured out, is that all of these young hotshot players like Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis down in San Diego, Cody Bellinger for the Dodgers, Jose um, Jose Alcuna for uh, Atlanta Braves, Tim Anderson over at the White Sox that these young players are better for baseball than Mike Trout, who might go down as either the all-time greatest player or a top five all grade, all-time greatest player. They are better for the game than Mike Trout because Mike, Mike Trout doesn't have the most important ability in sports, which is availability. He's not available to the game when it matters the most. Granted, it's a team sport, and, yes, he's always out there playing. And and when I use that quote, I'm normally referring to players who are always hurt, like you might see a a, a Carson Wentz, who is not always available to his team when his team needs him the most. No, in this case, the game is that – well, the game doesn't benefit from Mike Trout being available. He's never in the postseason. You never hear from him. Like, he's not a face and advocate for the game. He's a great player, all of that. But, like, when, when, when kids are on their phone, who are your next generation of fans and people who are going to buy tickets and sell things to, they're looking at their phones. They're not looking at Mike Trout highlights. I mean, dude, it, it is like watching Tim Duncan play basketball. And I'm a huge Tim Duncan fan, but Tim Duncan has more flash and personality than Mike Trout, which is a problem where mookie bets he shows out and people care about what you do in the playoffs Fernando tatis when, when 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 he hit the home run and his rookie manager was like oh you need to stop hitting home runs no they need to stop throwing cookies across the plate it doesn't matter how much we're, we're up uh Cody Bellinger uh they're out there wearing, wearing their chains they they got the, they're pipping home runs bat flipping Jose Alcuna, like th- these dudes are, and Tim Anderson, out there showing out all the time. This is what fans want to see. Uh, Jose Batista, when he was up in Toronto, that bat flip, you remember more plays that Jose B- Batista has done than Mike Trout, and that is a problem for baseball, that the stars – like, the stars are made in the postseason. People are not going to remember Mike Trout. They're going to remember his name. And people saying, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. But you're like, but I never see him. The Angels never win. Like, where? Wh- when is it happening in the playoffs? It's not. And that's the biggest problem. I, you've never been more Reister in your life.
1: <laughs> so, a couple of things. One, I mean – I got to put a disclaimer on this because I've known Cody Bellinger. I've covered Cody Bellinger since he was 16 years old, right? I I got my start covering Cody Bellinger in high school. P.S. He only hit one home run his senior year. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I was watching last night. Cody Bellinger hits what ultimately is the game-winning home run to send the Dodgers to the World Series one year after he wins the MVP. And it's not so much that – he's out there pimping home runs, or he's winning MVPs, because Mike Trout's got MVPs, right? So what it really comes down to for Cody Bellinger is the the marketability and the meme ability. If you want to grow baseball, you have to attract people who are outside the sport. Mike Trout is for baseball fans, people who are already baseball fans, people who hope they get the first pick in their fantasy draft so that they can get Mike Trout On their team. Mike Trout's not somebody who's going to attract people from outside the game to the game. I'm an NL fan. I'm aware of Mike Trout's greatness. Every time I'm thinking about Mike Trout, I'm not sure if I'm actually picturing the right guy in my mind. I got to Google his face because he (laughs) looks like every single person who ever worked at the firehouse
0: on a 48 hour shift. Like he he looks
1: like a fireman, like just like a like nondescript fireman.
0: Yeah, like he right. lifts weights and you know he's in really good good shape, but he's a regular fireman.
1: Yeah, and but with Cody Bellinger, I saw a tweet last night that made me laugh so hard I almost cried, and it was that Cody Bellinger has permanent accidental powerful edible face. So and you see <laughs> all these tweets of Cody Bellinger just staring off into space, looking like he's empty-headed and wasted. And everything like that, and that's taken off. Like people who don't know anything about baseball are tweeting Cody Bellinger memes. People who don't know anything about baseball are looking at Fernando Tatis and saying, like, "Oh, like that guy's swag. That speaks to me." Those people are good for bringing people into the game. And once people are in the game, they can enjoy what Mike Trout has to offer. It's like my 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 local gym, right? Like they, the whole idea is like I want to go there to get in shape and ultimately at the end of the day they want to upsell me to that premium membership so i can use the sauna in the back but the sauna is not for me right now yeah like, it has nothing to do with what i'm doing right now and here's here's how i want to prove that you you are you are more right than you could possibly imagine i'm going to read you two names you tell me if you know who
0: they are ready walter ray williams jr uh that the name sounds familiar i don't remember exactly where like the like the name sounds familiar 47
1: professional bowling association tour titles number 1 all time
0: now george if you were oh a- yes 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 no. yes yes okay
1: and he's a guy that actually did bring people to the sport by acting like crazy yes
0: like- i re- that's why i remember Kings. him he's the crazy man yes,
1: yes. i like him okay it would be inexcusable for you to be a bowling fan and not know about Walter Ray Williams jr. Yeah. As somebody who is not necessarily invested in the uh, professional bowlers association, that's not going to be something that, that registers with you. Uh, What about Don Gay? Have you ever heard the name Don Gay? No. Okay. Don Gay holds the all time professional uh, rodeo association record for bull riding titles with eight. He won 1974 through 77, 79 through 81. And in 1984, the year I was born. Now, I'm from Wyoming, Wyoming, where rodeo matters. So for me to not know who Don Gay is, that would be sacrilegious, right? But for anybody who doesn't have any experience of rodeo whatsoever, that name's not going to mean anything to them at all. And that's where we're at with Mike Trout right now. Mike Trout doesn't really mean anything to anybody who is not already a sports commentator or already a lifelong baseball fan. And even then, it's not a lot to get excited about because, like you said, when baseball matters the most, he's
0: nowhere to be found. He's like an urban legend. <laughs> he's, they, people, when they talk about baseball, are like, Mike Trout's one of the greatest ever. And you're like, okay, I have to take your word for it, I guess. I mean, I've seen him play. The dude is phenomenal. But it's it's like you don't feel that energy of greatness. He would be, I mean, like you get more energy from. Oh, okay, all, right, all right. Like Jimmy Jimmy Butler in basketball. You know who Jimmy Butler is. But Jimmy Butler just put himself on the map even more by how he just played in in the finals. Mike Trout's not even available to do that. Granted, his team is bad. But, but even, in, even in the midst of bad teams, we still, uh, Yasiel Puig, we know who Yasiel Puig is. Yasiel Puig was better for baseball and people watching baseball than Mike Trout. Nobody's tuning in to watch you that, you know, you, you, you know for you to go two for five. Actually, two, two for five would be phenomenal because that means that you'd be hitting 400 but but for you to go three out of three out of ten and you know hit a home run every 11 at bats and they'll tell you oh his wins over replacement when you have to break out analytics to, to for people to understand your greatness that is a problem and that's where we're at with Mike Trout that's why Mookie Betts uh, that that's why my kids want Mookie Betts jerseys. They want Cody Bellinger, Akuda, Tim Anderson, and nobody aside besides Angels Angels fans are running around, oh, let me get a Mike Trout jersey. But they but they will get his cleats because he's pretty much the only baseball player with cleats. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, he he's got the last name of like the the only fish that people who love fish don't even eat. Right? <laughs> it's not and advertisers should be exploiting stuff like that. Kawhi Leonard is boring, and they made an entire uh, empire of a- advertising about him being boring. Exactly, exactly. I don't understand why, you know, why Mike Trout doesn't have that. And I think it's ultimately because he spends his days making a highlight uh, catch to rob somebody of a home run, so that the game doesn't end ten to five
0: his loss. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, the last thing up and the parting shot is at this point, college football rankings are more worthless than preseason polls. How the hell do you possibly rank these teams when uh, the big 10 and the PAC 12 aren't even playing? You got SEC teams just losing left and right. So they're clearly not as good as you thought. ACC teams doing the same thing, and Big 12 teams, a disaster as well. Like, no elite teams besides Alabama, really. Alabama and Clemson. and But, like, you – so you're trying to rank Coastal Carolina, BYU, Cincinnati. Like, how are you supposed to rank these teams? And I've long said that preseason polls are absolutely worthless because you haven't seen these teams play. And it ultimately impacts the college football playoff because teams look better uh, when, when when they're playing poor non-conference games. They end up four and zero, and then all like, oh, it's a number ten team versus the number six team. It's a powerhouse matchup. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the the old system, well, last year's system and previous created, but this year with all the teams not playing, my top ten right now is Clemson. Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati at five, BYU at six, Oklahoma State at seven, Ohio State at eight, Oregon at nine, Penn State at ten. The only reason that Ohio State, Oregon, and Penn State are at eight, nine, and ten is because they haven't played. I have nothing to see them, and I'm a person who does not rank on potential. I rank on what you have done. And the people who are behind them haven't done anything that even probably even warrants a ranking right now. So we need more information. So like, that's why Coastal Carolina, Louisiana has been ranked. Everybody from Appalachian State didn't want to be ranked. Uh, UCF lost. Memphis, all of these teams didn't want to be ranked either. So at this point in time, Ralph, the college football rankings are more worthless than the preseason polls. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: You might be half wrong on this one. What and, uh, you might be, you might be half wrong on this one
0: because what's the most useless of all the polls? The coaches' poll, absolutely. Why the Amway coaches? Because the coaches, there is zero possibility that they can watch all of the games, it's not possible because they're coaching, right? But this year, 40% of the power five ain't doing nothing
1: but being able to watch college football. So you might actually have a little bit of accuracy and meaning within the coaches poll that you haven't had in years past, at least up through the first part of the season. I I actually am keeping an eye on the coaches poll this year, just to see how it might shake out a little bit differently from the years when it was obviously handled by a grad assistant and rubber stamped by whatever coach uh, is in charge. Um, and it, the 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 best thing ever is it being called the Amway Coaches Poll because it's people in your in your downline that are doing the work for you. Uh, no, no offense, to anybody. In in Amway, I just I I feel it's an appropriate uh you know, Yeah, a little bit. What I'm saying. Uh, it's all about getting to the top, right? And I mean, so right now, you said that you have those three teams, what was it, 7, 8, 9, or 8, 9, 10? 8, 9, 10. Okay. So they got Ohio State, uh, who hasn't played a game yet, at 5, ahead of Oklahoma State, ahead of Florida, who they have at 8. They got Penn State at 7, who hasn't played a game yet. And then they got your Oregon Ducks all the way down at number 15, uh, right below Wisconsin, who also has yet to play a How game. How, though? How? Right. And so uh, what what's interesting to me about having Oregon – at 15 is is there is it possible that some coaches are leaving the teams that haven't played yet completely off their ballot because if you have a situation where coaches are leaving teams that haven't played yet completely off their ballot then a team that's 15 isn't really 15 it's it's bounced by stuff that's being left off so so basically when I look at the coaches poll I just subtract all of the teams that haven't played yet from it to get an idea of what I should be looking at because there's no reason why BYU should be four spots ahead of Oregon. Correct. BYU looks good, but they shouldn't be ahead of Oregon regardless. BYU could be 11-0 before Oregon starts, and it, I'd still be saying the same thing. So, you know, there, there's elements of the coach's poll that are much more interesting than they are in years past, and at the same time – the whole thing just feels completely useless because we have teams that have yet to enter the conversation. It's like, <laughs> it's like the conversations that you would have with your friends about whether or not someone could spend the night before you go ask your parents. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like all those plans that you make for your sleepover to play video games to eat ice cream, all those plans. None of them matters until you bring your friend in with you. So there's that extra pressure. and You'd be like, uh, Timmy's parents want to know if we. Um, they said that it would
0: be okay if we spend the night here. Can we? <laughs> That's exactly how it gets asked. Am <laughs> and, my, and my nephew, who's fourteen, he still comes up. Hey, hey, uh, uncle, uncle. Um, uh, is it is it okay if I spend the night? Like, yeah, man, come on. Like He already knows the answer is, well, he knows the answer is going to be yes. But you're referring to those times where you're like, hey, I don't know about yeah. this where you know it's kind of sketchy. But you should, um, you know, you should ask first
1: to make the plans later because the plans are useless unless you get that. And so, like, these polls are useless unless we get all of the data. And, like, until Oregon plays a game, having them ranked four spots below BYU, having them ranked five spots behind uh, Cincinnati, none of that makes
0: sense to me. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Am I right or am I wrong? The intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only. Check your feelings at the door. No BS allowed because I keep it 100. And I want to thank Ralph Amsden for joining your boy today. I appreciate it. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.